Bandwidth for all shows on the Aussie Tech Heads network is supplied by Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For a fast, affordable and reliable Australian server with fantastic support, contact Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting at aussietechheads.com.au. Aussie Tech Heads, Australia's best hosting service. It's Glenn here once again for another episode or another week of Aussie Tech Heads. Welcome. Welcome. If this is your first week with Aussie Tech Heads, well, what are we going to give to you to make your day more enjoyable? We are going to give to you, uh, we're going to go run through some tech news stories that we've found interesting and we do hope you do too. Because uh, So take parts in the lounge, live lounge. Uh, just go to the webpage, aussietechheads.com.au forward slash podcast if you do wish to partake in the lounge. So hi everyone sitting there at the moment. Uh, looks like it's pretty crowded in there tonight. Yes, good, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, so each week we will go through some stories and uh, the episodes and the shows are brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au and if you've got a little web page and you want to put a little blog up, there you go. You can't go past athwebhosting.com.au. Give it give it a burl, eh? From 5.95 per month web pages. Oh, sweet as, sweet as. All right. Now, joining us on the show uh, tonight or this week even is uh First of all, let's go to Jace. He's on the he's on the popping up on the screen first. Hi, Jace. How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, go cool. Pop goes the weasel there. What are, what are you yeah, up to? Popping up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, of course, Pop. Okay, now uh, what's been going on? Having fun this week? Oh, I had to get a new phone. Oh, did you get My an poor iPhone? Old HTC One was having a bit of audio problems with the headphones on it, so they gave me a new phone, a new headset, and it's working great now. Oh, good. Yay for Telstra doing something good. Yay. Doesn't always happen. Don't get too used to it. <laughs> oh, they've been making money, haven't they? And uh, yeah. also, who else have we got in the corner tonight? I think Shane. Hey, Shane. How are you doing? I'm doing extremely well this week, Lenny. That's good. What, what makes you so extremely well this week? You sound full of enthusiasm and gusto. Yeah, it's a bit a bit of a sweet, bittersweet week for me. The good part is that I finally found work. Someone has been gullible. I mean, gracious <laughs> enough to give me a give stupid me a job. enough. Uh, you know they were listening, yeah. right? <laughs> it could be, and um, suckers. Yeah, but that also means that at least for the foreseeable future, until I get kind of settled into the role and all that kind of stuff. Mm. that this will be my last week on the Aussie Tickets podcast. Oh, we need that soundboard, don't we? Oh. Yeah. duck? What is that? Well, that obviously was a very poor, uh, a poor uh, rendition of uh, the dead Pac-Man. I thought that's how Pac-Man went. <laughs> that's the one. That might have been a bit better. <laughs> All right. And, you can, and that other voice that you can hear, William is back from the cold. Hey, Will? Good evening. So you got your microphone fixed. It's all good and dandy. That's good. Uh, my spider cage lost its web. 
Oh. Now, you... Uh, just for those who are watching, in case you're curious, the spider cage is what the you put the microphone in to keep the background noise. Like, if you hit the hit the arm, it doesn't transfer the noise into the mic. And after a couple of years, the elastic doesn't elastic anymore. No, it just breaks. Now, will yeah. you and Jace there been doing a side project on Monday nights, Obsidian Loft? Where can we find that? <laughs> yes, sir. Where do we find that? Uh, well, obsidianloft.com is the place to go to uh, to start at that ball rolling. All right. And all your mind, mind it's a Minecraft vodcast or video cast or whatever you want to call it, isn't it? Yeah, it's Minecraft, um, Feed the Beast, um, Bucket, all the, you know, it, it's it's a little bit more uh, generalized than a lot of the, the, the ones that are out there. We, we go into a lot of specific areas, but we cover the sort of the whole range of everything. So... It's also Australian and it's hosted in Australia. Mobile devices and stuff too in the future. Oh, yeah. Good Mm -hmm. work. Good work. So now Just bought a a VPS yesterday, so setting up a whole server of everything. Yeah, sweet as. Nice work, boys. Now, uh, now talking about uh, all that sort of stuff, is it on on iTunes or is it just available from that site, website? iTunes and everywhere. Cool. iTunes, iTunes, YouTube, if you want to watch the the HD version. Um, There is also audio-only versions if you're weird like me, like listening to that sort of thing. All right. Good (laughs) stuff. All right. Thanks, Will. Now, each week before we get into the stories, we do have a look back over the history of tech. And thanks to the Tom Merritt's chronology of tech and Shane, who diligently each week, and this will be the last week for a little while, uh, we'll go through and see what's happened in the history of the world in technology this over this you know this week all right shane where would you like to start this t- this week this day tonight <laughs> what an intro oh, no. um, right. it was the biggest one just, you've ever yeah, had for this segment just wasn't lucky it? it's last one you'd be old by the time you got through anymore <laughs> let's start with february 24 1955 and that might even give it away to all the diehard people anyway a boy was born to University of Wisconsin graduate students Joanne Simpson and Abdul Fattah Jandal Jandali. He was given up for adoption and taken in by a machinist and his wife in Mountain View, California. They named him drumroll Steve Jobs. Oh, so, so his real his real last name was Jandali. Yeah, I think he's um. Oh, I can't remember the countries he was. He's either born in, like his both parents are from. It's a Middle Eastern country. It's in mm. the book that was written by what's his name? And I think the Tim, biography that's just been out. Yeah, and I think Tim Cook was tweeting this week, wasn't he? he tweeted a couple of Steve Jobs's quotes in honor of his birthday, fifty-nine, apparently. So, um, yeah. would have been yeah. R.I.P. Steve-O. Uh, next one, Shano. Uh, scroll all the way down to. February 29, 1860, so that must have been a leap year that year. Herman Hollerith was born. He would grow up to build the first punch card tabulating machine as well as found the company that was to become IBM. Oh, nice. Nice work. Herman. Yes, yes. one of the guys, yeah. <laughs> February 29, no, 1996. Big guy, seven foot tall, spiky hair. Things in his neck. That's it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's him. Uh, February 29, 1996. So again, uh, leap year for those keeping score. Microprose released. Microprose released Civilian 2, a sequel to Sid Meier's Civilization, and the version that would launch the franchise 
to world spread popularity. What was it? A good game, Matt. I still like love playing that. Never played it. Never heard of it. Never played no. it. Never really? heard of it. You never played <laughs> Civilization. You never played it. Really? Like version five <laughs> now. It's a huge franchise. Nah. It's um it's where all the Sims and everything came from. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, nah, I didn't get into it. Build all that. little towns and railways that go around and the roads and you join them up with electricity mm. and just just as a matter of interest. Sorry, I just not interested in that story. But just as a matter of interest <laughs> <laughs> Call yourself a tech pundit. <laughs> just just as a matter of and interest. And your geek licensing, Glenn. <laughs> You're actually geek, geek cred now. I oh, know. But while, 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 the reason why I was just a little bit aloof there, I was just doing a quick calculation. But, uh, yeah, you know, old Herman, just going back to Herman, he's only middle-aged. He's only 38. And that's that's because he was born on February 29th. He's only 38. So. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? All right. Hmm. So, Herman, what? where are you? What are you doing? All right, sorry, sorry, I hijacked. We're giving the guy, we're giving the guy a hard time, and he could be listening. I know he's only thirty-eight. Jeez, I'm older than him, and he was born in eighteen sixty. <laughs> All, <right. laughs> All right, let's get back on track. Sorry, I hijacked that. Uh, next one, please, Shane. That's right, you're the boss. Um, March the first, nineteen ninety-five. A little over a year after starting the website in January nineteen ninety-four, Jerry Yang and David Philo Incorporated. Yahoo! Oh yes, nineteen ninety-five. Anyone use Yahoo Mail? Oh, no. Okay. What, now? <laughs> People that work there probably You've got an account, don't use it. Yeah. Well, I had to have an account because I had to sign up for something and I had to have a bloody Yahoo account to do it. I was yeah. using Flickr for a while, but then they wanted to charge me to be able to keep viewing my older pictures, so I moved it all to Picasso. Oh, oh they want the... Photos. So you got to pay for Flickr now? No, well, they're like, you can, you can see your... Um, Latest 200 picks, but anything older than that, you're going to have to pay for for anybody to look at. So yeah, I was fine. like, well, what else have we got out here? Google around and Picasso had like one gig free. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll move there. And then it became Google plus photos. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's all right. I use the Picasso. And that's good because I use the Picasso on the desktop as well. And uh, that, yeah, as mm, a facial recognition really and everything. Yeah. That's, that's all. It's, it's fantastic. It's great. But yeah, Yahoo. I think I've got your Yahoo account. I had to sign up with a footy tip and comp or something. So man, <laughs> I've got a Yahoo account. Okay. Uh, last one, please, Shane. March the 1st, 2006, English language Wikipedia reached its one millionth article, which was the Jordan Hill Railway Station article. Yeah. Don't have, I don't love, have much love for Wikipedia. <clears throat> Not really. They kept so people kept putting pages up for us for Aussie tech heads. They kept taking them down, saying we weren't relevant. So, I'm yours. <laughs> Just because we're not. That's because we're not American. So, probably they probably know who these guys. Where's Aussie? What's Aussie? What's that mean? What's that mean? Yeah. yeah, that's not a real word. They made that up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, so like I think I think the last time someone tried to put a page up was a couple of years ago. It didn't work. They keep taking it down. I think it's because like just because you don't have any links to other stories or other articles, you know, like oh we've been in the paper and you know there are a few links around now. So I'm not sure why well, why we still get taken down. And at the end of the day, I think we just can't be bothered anymore. So yeah, so Wikipedia, you know. What sort of information are you good for? Absolutely nothing. All right. Well, we'll just stop there. I think we hit a... Not necessarily those. I think we hit a bit of a nerve there. <laughs> Don't mention the W word ever again. <laughs> w. No. And another thing. 
Yeah, wouldn't it be funny you come back because on the radio, like you go for like five minutes of breaks, then you come and another thing about Wikipedia. It's like I just been going, been going for five minutes on it. You know what else I can't stand? All right, now I lost, I've just lost my playhead. I'll find it again in a minute. I had that problem once. Nothing a bit of pepper and tweezers and magnifying glass wouldn't fix. I was telling Glenn about our um, fuse meeting video conference. Oh, yeah. That thing's awesome. Oh, we'll have to have a look at that. Beats, beats awesome. the heck out of Zoom and it's free. Oh, mm. crap's all over Zoom. High def picture. High yep. def. The media inserts can be controlled by anyone who's got rights. What you is upload it? all your media onto their onto their uh, application and you just hit play and it plays the intro, plays the music stabs, plays the outro, whatever you want. What's the all built into it? Yeah, that's all right. What's the what? What is it again? Fuse what? F U Z E fusemeeting.com. I know you sent it to me, but if I write it down in front of me, I'll um, mm. I'll uh, be... you get up to twenty five participants for free doing video conferencing, and um, yeah, everything's built into it. Yeah, right. Cool. All right, let's keep going then. I'll I'll kick off with the story, I suppose. Um, hmm. Oh well, what is a what is another month? Another Tuesday of the of the month without a Microsoft update. We got one here, the Office, but this one for the Office 2013 Service Pack One has arrived. Well, for some people, it's it's dribbling down. So you expect to see the Service Pack One update in your little update box soon. Includes compatibility fixes for Windows 8.1 and IE 11, plus better support for modern hardware with improvements in how the productivity suite works on high DPI displays and precision touch pads. Right, so uh, they've also changed SkyDrive features. They've changed it to OneDrive, you know, because they had that stupid someone in Germany. Lawsuit. Yeah, someone in Germany said we don't, we you can't. No, no, SkyDrive was the uh, Sky Sky News or something, wasn't it? Yeah, that's in right. the UK. It's yeah. Murdoch. Yeah, so they didn't. They apparently have uh, monopolised the whole Sky. That's Rupert wants the whole sky. So it's now OneDrive. Office 2013 customers will begin to get their SP1 availability through the Windows update. Thank goodness it's not like the uh, Windows 8.1 update where it was in the store. No one could find it. Now, angry to angry this week, aren't I? A little bit. I have to calm down. <laughs> that Wikipedia story. Now, Exchange Server 2013 and SharePoint 2013 customers can also download Service Pack 1 at the Microsoft Download Center. So you got any of those? Hop to it, hop to it. All right, uh, Will. We haven't heard from you for uh, two weeks. What have you been doing? And can you give us a story, please? No, you can't have a story. <laughs> we'll give it. Um, yeah, last couple weeks I've just been flat out, so I haven't had a chance to get here. But uh, tonight's the night, you lucky people. I'm here and I'm yeah almost ready to go. <laughs> no, no. Sorry about I actually that. Got distracted. No, no. no I'm, I actually had a story that I was planning on reading, and I. The, Problem is, I actually just reread it again, and I got distracted, and I forgot that I was actually going to read it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, do you want me to come back to you? No, no, that's fine. It's oh. basically. A, I'll, I'll give you the short version of it because it's actually quite a technical article. But basically, um, in India, as you know, highly populated. Mm. Um, you know, it's not not like around here. You know, there's not public. Well, <laughs> I say around here, it's Queensland. There's no public toilets in Queensland anyway. But um, they have public that, you know, toilets the, the, in Ipswich. Hey, they have public toilets up there in Ipswich. Uh, in the entire Queensland, there's like three public toilets, I think. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, basically, this this article um, is pretty much about that that exact problem in India, where you're talking, you know, six hundred million people or whatever they've got there, um, is obviously a, a major problem, and especially when you you read the article and it both saying that um, you know eighty four percent of of rural householders preferred um, defecating in the open for convenience sake. So that's a problem when there's 600 million people. So what they've actually done is they've established using, um, this is where the technology comes into it, they've discovered that in penguin poo, um, there's a, a really powerful bacteria that breaks it down. So now they're, basically making mobile public toilets um, oh, yeah, nice. that they take around the areas. They're giving loans to these contractors to set them up and install them. And it's bumped their economy back up now because there's actually a 99% repayment rate on the loans that they're for the, for the um, sanitation loans that they're providing. Right. It's the highest rate of repayment. It's also the highest turnover industry at the moment. Um, and it actually sparked the Gates Foundation to run a global competition for the most innovative solution. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, quite, uh, it's sort of tech related insofar as, you know, it's, it's a worldwide thing now. They're putting, they're putting contracts out worldwide to say, hey, we need this problem sorted. What, what's the way, mm. you know, you can get around it and how can you do it? Well, and, um, I just had so a... far they've installed. Sorry, I was going to say, I've got a solution, Will. I've got my own solution. So you, you might be no, able yeah. to, you might be able to run with this. Remember, remember that pothole app. You take a picture of a pothole and you send it to the council, <laughs> <laughs> and they come along and fix it. Well, same thing. Take slightly, a, different, slightly different hole. Um, <laughs> take a picture of the, a turd and the, send it in. <laughs> I've got no home for this. Um, rate so my turd. Rate my poo dot com. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. They've managed to install seventy thousand um, public toilets at the moment um, wow, for the like the communal sort of communal mm. toilet sort of things, but um, they're all monitored. It's all a lot of the stuff now is all monitored, remotely monitored, so they don't necessarily, um, you know. So it's not only inst- it's not only helping their economy with with sanitation. It's bringing technology in for the forefront because they're all putting cameras up. They've got solar panels on them with um, you know battery power for the lighting and um, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they're all um, all composting toilets, but yeah, you know, right. there's a whole heap of other stuff that's involved. So it's actually really done really, really well for their economy for solving a problem that, you know, that, mm. that's so killing was... two birds with one stone, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, the place stinks. All right, so uh, <laughs> what else we that got? That story stinks, yeah. I yeah, know. Right. <laughs> Jace, uh, what have you got for us this week? Please. Well... It's now that uh, Facebook has purchased WhatsApp for $19 billion, they're going to plan to offer voice calls on a popular message, mobile messaging service just days after getting picked up by uh, Facebook. WhatsApp chief executive Jan Korn said that the service would roll out on Android phones and iPhones in the coming months. WhatsApp plans to add voice calls for BlackBerry, Microsoft and Nokia phones later in the year, Korn said. I think we've got the best voice product out there. We use the least amount of bandwidth, Corm said at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. Corm did mention the Blockbuster deal at the Mobile Conference. Last week we had a new Facebook friend. I don't know if you guys heard, he, knew, he joked. <laughs> insisted Facebook takeover would not change how WhatsApp operates. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg 
also spoke and reiterated that WhatsApp, which has 450 million users, will be run as a standalone company. Unlike Facebook's, under Facebook's ownership, Zucky said WhatsApp's treatment of user data is absolutely not going to change. Right. Well, that's good. That's good for people who are fans of WhatsApp. That's not too bad. Like I, I've, I've downloaded it and, and used it, but I don't know. I find things just, they sort of go out of your memory of your phone and you start, sort of don't start them back up again. They get lost a bit. But if it's going to get integrated into Facebook, that's a good idea. Look, uh, I want to just continue on with Facebook because I've got a little Facebook story here myself which uh, goes along the lines of a German newspaper has been uh, slammed for an anti-Semitic caricature of Facebook's Zuckerberg. So that's the headline. Now, I don't know. It's a long time ago that these things happened. People obviously still get upset about it. But the cartoon uh, depicts Mark Zuckerberg as an octopus with a hook nose, of all things, a hook nose devouring the world's technology. It appeared in the Friday edition of the Munich-based paper, along with the International New York Times. Now, the cartoon is starkly reminiscent of a 1938 Nazi cartoon depicting William Churchill as a Jewish octopus encircling the globe. So if anyone has any doubts about the anti-Semitic dimension of the cartoon, we can point to Mark Zuckerberg's very prominent nose, which is not the real case. So, you know, it's all going, obviously, some people like it, some people hate it. Jewish groups had complained that the caricature resembled Nazi propaganda. And the cartoonist, Burkhard Moo, said he had intended to illustrate Facebook swallowing up rival WhatsApp. So there you go. Bit of trouble going on over there. I don't know. All these people having troubles. Um, and there is another little quick little Facebook one. The Facebook ends the email system. Did anyone ever use that? No, Facebook. No. <laughs> only, Nobody only, used that, it. The only thing it kind of got used for was inter-page sort of communication, but that was about it. Yeah, Facebook has quietly closed its three-year-old email service that uh, gave everyone the at facebook.com address. From now on, email sent to the at facebook.com address will be forwarded to the personal email address from uh, which the member signed up for uh, at, originally with Facebook. We're making this change because most people haven't been using their Facebook email address that a Facebook spokesperson. Yeah, so uh, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? Facebook emails. I don't think I don't think I've ever used it. Why would I? Why would you? Seriously. Seriously. All right. So, uh, so Will, you, did you have a Facebook email, did you say? Oh, everyone got one. And, yeah, I had one, William Tomkinson at Facebook.com, whatever the heck it was, but... Other than redirecting it to my Gmail, the only thing we used it for was chatting between ourselves in Facebook. Like before mm. the private messaging sort of become a thing, um, you'd just send an email to somebody. And if they're on Facebook, you'd get it straight away. Yeah, nice. So it was all right. I mean, it was crap, but it was it was <laughs> there, you know. You yeah. should have used it because it was there. It was, nobody's going to care that it's not there. <laughs> well, come March, it's gone. I think, yep, Shane? I think the intent was was that Zuckerberg kind of hoped or thought that everyone is or would actually live in Facebook like the whole time they're on the internet and rather than have someone have to go outside of Facebook to read email, the plan was that they could just forward even, it in. Even if yeah, they wanted to, they email. could read email while they're in there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, I think all this... Nobody... No, I think all the security breaches put pay to that, didn't they? There's a few... Uh 
security yeah. breaches there with Facebook. Yeah, well, if, well, they keep changing their privacy and then resetting it to everybody, please view all my stuff that I don't want anyone to view all the time. Just annoyed the hell oh, out of everyone right. too much. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Including but... including Gmail, emails. Emails were searchable at one point, not just yours, but everyone. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, we don't have to worry because that, that waste of time is finished next month. Good. Right. Well, I won't be doing that story. Oh, did you have it? <laughs> no, it's all right. I didn't look through yours. As I said, I just jumped on, dumped in a bunch of stories in like five minutes okay. before the show and I had the um, Facebook email thing. Oh, so what else have you got down there? Net neutrality. I'm covering goo phones. Apple's issue. Apple's stuff. Goof phones. Apple's had big problems. Mm, goof phones. Oh, I like your hey, I watched, um Your picture's I better watched, than mine. Yeah. I watched um, the, the Mac Zone on Tuesday, and you ripped into Android like there was no tomorrow. I don't like it. <gasps> Apple <laughs> fanboy. <laughs> yes. You do like it. You just don't know it. No, I don't. I don't like Android at all. Even on, even, even, on, even on this show. <laughs> Why do you think he hasn't got the Android zone? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no. Okay, I'd... one day you'll see the light. No, or I, I, I bought the light and I dumped the light. And, uh, yeah. No, I just, like, I'm happy now with me little... The only thing that I think that would go better than the iPhone is a Windows phone. <laughs> uh, Man, you got Senoil in your old age. Big person. <laughs> Oh, look, I've got a Windows Where's phone. Where's Glenn what have you done with him? I can't be on this show anymore, I'm afraid. I know, that's it. I'm out of here. See ya. <laughs> I'm zicked. I'll oh. start my own show with Blackjack and Hookers. <laughs> All <laughs> right. <to> Blackjack. <laughs> on a Friday night. All right. Okay, uh, let's come back. And oh, who haven't we heard? Shane. We'll do a Shane story. Are you ready, Shane? Yep. Okay, cool. Now, Shane's going to... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Shane's going to uh, kick us off with another story. Hello, Shane. Give us another story, Hello. please. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do a story about uh, the mobile phone world conference thing that's happening in, or it's probably finished by now in Barcelona. The And just to kind of match up the fact, or, or uh, even up the fact that we did a HTC One launch story last week, so do the right thing and, and cover the fact that Samsung have launched their Galaxy S5 phone. Um, basically it's from a, from a looking point of view, it's uh, from an aesthetic point of view, it's the same as the, the current phone. I'll just quickly run through the specs. Samsung Galaxy S5 will run the Qualcomm 2.5 gigahertz quad core processor, two gigabyte of RAM and 16 and 32 uh, gigabyte storage variants, expandable with a micro SD slot. Uh, keeping it alive is a 2,800 milliamp battery and we'll probably know more about the batteries than what we do. The screen itself is a 5.1 inch full HD super AMOLED screen with a resolution of 1920 by 1080. On the top of it, it's running Android 4.4 with the Samsung TouchWiz um, skin over the top. Uh, what else has it got? It's packing a 16 megapixel rear facing camera and a 2.1 megapixel front facing camera. Uh, for video calls and packs a USB 3.0 charging port, which is backwardly compatible to USB 2.0. And it weighs 145 grams. Wow, that's not much. That's not much. <clears throat> Jeez, Android's are good phones, aren't they? Uh, that's true. 
Hey, she's in great. It's funny that uh, it's funny that you're talking about the release of the uh, DS5 that's coming out because there's a an, another runner in the market. It seems they're called the Goofone because everybody needs a Goofone. A Goofone. Um, yeah, a Goofone. So basically, what it is is um, it looks like you know it looks like the the S5. It's in the same colours as the S5, um, but Goofone do a whole range. They start at $149 for a quad-core Android 4.25-inch phone. Wow. Um, yeah. But I'll just, just to sort of show you, you know, that uh, they do kind of know what they're talking about. The, the uh, what are they calling it? The Goofone uh, S, the Goofone S5, because <laughs> they're, you know, completely original in the naming. Yeah, well, has a five-inch 1080p screen, yeah. a two-gig octa-core processor, so Ooh. that's an eight-core processor, uh, two-gig of RAM, comes standard with 32 upgradable to 64-gig storage, 13-megapixel camera with SM- SMD flashlight and a five-megapixel front-facing camera, uh, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, GSM, dual SIM card slots are standard, and a 28 milliamp, 2800 milliamp battery. All right. $300, thank you. Yeah, that's all right. So, <laughs> running Android 4. So, who, where, where are like, these coming from? Where are they, like, who's, where are these oh. originating from? Are these just... China, people? like iGood phones. Yeah, so they're just little <laughs> Chinese phones. and But they're all based on popular-looking phones. Like, there's, there's the, um, the 5S smartphone. Yes. Which, uh, who knows what that's based on. But, um, you know, it's the same sort of thing. It's got 8 gig ROM, 512 meg internal RAM. Um, It's got dual core 1.2 gig. It looks exactly the same. Like, and I mean exactly the same. (laughs) That's what it's designed upon. Aren't all all, uh, Samsung phones based on the iPad, on the iPhone? And it's 160 bucks. So, you know... The, and it's running Android 4.2, 4.12 or something. Um, so, you know, I'd be really curious. I'd, I'd love to have a few hundred dollars to throw at a couple of these and just see. The, you read the specs on paper. It'd be really good to actually. So they've got one that's equivalent of the Note. Uh, it's called the N2 and the N3. <laughs> <laughs> um, and But... You know, they got the same, according to the specs, they've got the mm. same size screens, same yeah. batteries, same processors or better processors, same or better cameras, same or more memory, and they're half the price or less of the equivalent phone. Mm. Um, and if you want, for example, you can opt in with a, you can add a case and a 32 gig memory card for $12. Yeah, that's so. Right. Where can you get them, Will? <laughs> uh, you can go to Goofone Shop. Net. Oh, how do you spell goo? As G double O. Goo, G-O-O. So goo phone shops dot net. Oh, well, there you go. I'm sure you can Google um, that anyway. And check it out there. I'd, I'd love to actually have a comparison and say between a, you know, the Note two and the N two, and actually just see. They've even got the goo phone smartwatch three G, which surprise, surprise, looks exactly the same as the Samsung <laughs> one. <laughs> nice. So, Nice. Well, well, while the Goo phone's been uh, being made or invented or whatever, Intel unveils 64-bit chips for smartphones and tablets. So Intel has unveiled its first 64-bit chip for Android smartphones and tablets, codenamed Merrifield and Moorefield. 
the dual core Merrifield uh, and quad core. That's the wrong one. There we go. And quad core Moorfield chips are both based on Intel's Silvermont architecture, as if we all are interested. Android phones and tablets running Merrifield will appear in the second quarter of this year, while devices running the faster Moorfield will pop up in the second half. Now, there's this guy, President Renee James, said Intel knows 64 bit computing. And while we're the only company currently shipping 64 bit processors, supporting multiple operating systems today and capable of supporting 64 bit Android when it's available. So, there you go. There's a little Android story for you. Um, speaking, so what, according to that, uh, who is it? Intel is making the only 64 bit. Hmm. Yeah. Samsung apparently today released their plans on developing a 64 bit chipset known as the XC. No, X. Once Apple started it, everyone's joining in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it turns out, yeah, there's uh, Apple not the only one doing a 64-bit chip. Apple should have Yeah, look it. what you've done, Apple. Yeah. You made <laughs> everyone move faster. <laughs> um, Jace, what, what else have you got for us this week? What have you been looking at? Well, while it's a major issue in the United States, you don't really hear much about the concept of net neutrality in Australia. The idea behind net neutrality is to stop internet service providers playing favourites and deliberately crippling services provided by their rivals. To picture it in the real world, imagine if Coles owned the streets and set up roadblocks around your local Woolworths. Streaming video service Netflix is often at the centre of US net neutrality debate because it's such a disruptive force for traditional pay TV and internet providers. There's clearly a temptation to deprioritise Netflix traffic, if not deliberately throttle it. In 2010, net neutrality laws were passed in the US, but these open internet laws were recently overturned after a legal challenge from telco giant Verizon. The impact of Verizon ruling is already being felt with Netflix now signing a deal with major ISP Comcast in order to gain direct access to its broadband network core. You might argue this is uh, simply a move by Netflix to offer better service to its end customers, or you might see it as Netflix paying a ransom demand to ensure it can still offer these customers a reliable service. Let's hope it doesn't spread over here. Well, I'd mm. say so. Yeah. So what what is happening here is that so Netflix is paying to get their content delivered faster and more more reliably than you or I. Yeah. Well, what happened? Uh, people in the US noticed that their um, Netflix speeds were slowing, slowing, slowing over the last two years. And in fact, there was a guy who did an experiment because he was in college. And uh, the Netflix he was getting was extremely slow, so um, so that the uh, ISP couldn't tell what kind of traffic he was getting. He connected to a VPN external to the college, so all of the connection was encrypted from end to end. And then he started watching Netflix, and he got super high def um, 1080p, whereas before he was struggling to get SD. And the only difference was that it was being encrypted so that they couldn't see that it was coming from Netflix so they couldn't throttle his network. So mm. uh, after all this time saying, no, 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 we don't do that, we don't do that, maybe it's Netflix's fault, maybe your computer's broken or something, all he did was change it to a VPN so they couldn't see what kind of traffic and where it was coming from. Suddenly he's got full um, HD. HD 1080p. So mm. he proved once and for all that, yes, they definitely were throttling it because um, a lot of the ISPs over there complained that there's about 40% of all network traffic in the US through ISPs is Netflix now. Yeah, right. So they're like, well, isn't it? you got what you guys are using up all our bandwidth because of you. So therefore, you've got to give us money. Otherwise, we'll mm. slow it down. Your customers will be really angry with you, not us, because yeah. you're the one they're getting it from. So they assume you're the problem. So if unless you give us more money, we'll just keep annoying your customers with slower and slower speeds until they give up or you give up. 
it's money. But it does, doesn't it? It does make sense. That, like, I know no one wants their speed slowed, uh, you know, in um, in, in because something else is coming in faster and someone's paid more money for it. But but it is probably right that like, if you're trying to watch a movie and you've paid for it, well, you do probably would you do you take precedence over some Joe that might just be browsing around the internet drunk on a Sunday night? Well, that's the point. There shouldn't be any precedence for anything. Everything should be just bits and mm. get whatever speeds you get, or whether it's FTPing or playing World of Warcraft or downloading and watching Netflix. It should all just be a standard connection. And these guys are because there's no actual problem with bandwidth or anything like that, but they like to treat it as a limited resource. Oh, no, right. using up all our bandwidths is, and, and, yeah. and we can't keep the speeds up for everybody. Oh, we, we just can't handle it. There's too And it's all a bunch of hooey just so they can charge just for charge quotas them. and speeds yeah. and stuff, which there's no need for it. Mm. But otherwise, they don't make extra bucks. So. Yeah, It's quite funny, actually, you mentioned that now because I was just talking in the chat room to one of our regulars, um, PA, he's in the chat room tonight and he's saying his stream's fantastic because he's actually using a VPN and he's actually currently watching us from um, Canada. He's watching Canada. us from from Toronto at the moment. And I said, yeah, well, that's funny you should mention that because I'm actually streaming my Zoom video to Glenn through, um, where am I streaming? Through, um, I did say where it was, I can't remember now, <laughs> Dallas. So I'm actually using a VPN to stream my video to the Gold Coast via Dallas, and I get a better speed. Mm. So you can't tell me that we don't have. That it may not be called that, but we we definitely have we're, throttling going we're on getting here. Throttled, yeah, that's uh, that's disturbing. That's that's uh, really disturbing. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to take because that away with I me and be disturbed. To Twitch. When, when we do our Minecraft broadcast and we stream to Twitch, because that's the gaming network, uh, on the same thing, I either use um, Dallas or I use somewhere in, in Europe to stream to our Twitch, and my stream speeds are consistently over 2 meg, whereas if I do it directly from my computer, it's maybe 1 meg on a good night. So. All right. And cool. it should be worse because it's going through encrypting process <laughs> and going via overseas. It should be a much much worse that way, but well, it's it in fact be. better. Mm. When because there's extra overhead, how does that make sense? It. Yeah, because they're not encrypting it. They're not because it is encrypted. They're not monitoring it, and because they're not monitoring it, it's not it's not restricted. Oh, yeah. I might have to get into a VPN. I just don't want to pay for it. He's just convinced me. <laughs> well, I pay like all. five dollars a year. Five bucks a so... year. What yeah. you're saying then is your provider, Telstra, for argument's sake, is throttling your upload speed no matter what you're doing or does it know what you're doing and it's it knows what you're doing. It, it knows what you're doing. They're, they're watching. If you do a speed test, I'll hit 2 meg all the time, anywhere. As soon as I actually try to do something, my upload speed's normally anywhere from YouTube, Twitch, live stream, uh, anything like that, even um, uh, archive.org. My upload speed never goes above 600. But since I've been using VPN, all the data's encrypted going up to America, and most of the servers are American anyway, um, my upload speeds constantly sits around 1.6 to 1.8. So, so my question is, is what have, what's Telstra got a problem with you doing? All the uploading of videos, or is it just do they throttle everything? Or 
They, I'm they assuming all think that they all demonize video as being something that's flooding their network and slowing yeah. everything down when it's not. It's got nothing to do with that, but they got nothing else to base. You know, everybody could get full ADSL or full cable or whatever, but then there's no tiers to charge extra money for something. Everybody really mm. should get a flat rate of, you know, like uh, 20 bucks a month for unlimited everything because it doesn't cost them anything extra for it. But mm. um, they just want to have some way of saying, well, if you give us more money, we'll give you faster speeds. And that's what you want, isn't it? Now, don't be fooled into thinking your VPN is going to solve everything. My download speed generally suffers. Um, I do, however, have an American DNS, which allows me to watch Hulu and um, whatever else, all the American and the overs- and even the BBC On Demand, all that sort of stuff. It allows me to watch that in HD. That does cost me extra to have that. And I normally get 6 to 10 meg download HD videos. It also makes YouTube faster, funnily enough. So but what's your downloading what's the VPN you use for five bucks? Uh the VPN I'm using is uh I think it's called IB VPN, but I'll have to look at that up later. Um but uh yeah so the VPN makes me suffer if I'm doing bulk downloading like um even things like the latest uh, Minecraft um, Java file we downloaded is close on 100 meg. I forgot to turn my VPN off the first time and it took me about two hours to download it. Then when I downloaded it again later, because I thought I downloaded the wrong one, it took about five minutes with my VPN turned off. So you, you, there are times where you actually don't want it, where it, may, it slows things down. But anything to do with multimedia or servers overseas, it really improves it. Yeah, okay. I'm going to have to look into that. All right. Okay, let's stop it there. Let's start up again. So we'll start up with Shane, eh? Shane, you got a story? Yeah, I got another mobile phone one. Let's go. You go first. Start off. Alrighty, I've got another mobile phone story here. This time it is from Mozilla. Mozilla is planning a $25 Firefox OS smartphone. In developing countries, the high-end smartphone market is cornered by the big guys like Apple and um all the Android stuff and, and uh, BlackBerry to a smaller extent. Um, but Mozilla is a non-for-profit, so they planned on teaming up with a mob called... Uh, Mozilla will partner with a Chinese chipmaker called Spreadrum Communications oh, yeah. uh, to bring its Firefox iOS to the developing markets. We're working with them to break through the $50 US barrier uh, which is a hard task. Mozilla Chief Technology Officer Brendan each told the blog. Uh, this is going to be set for. This is going to be set for. This is going. This is going to be for a set of uh, channels in Asia that do not involve operators. Uh, these phones won't exactly look like uh, your average smartphone. They'll be smaller for one thing, and have less power, uh, screen resolution. Um, they're probably going to have less or lower-end cameras. Uh, so they look like, in yeah. In countries where... They look a bit tiny. They look tiny, don't they? They look like a, a little bit tinier than the normal one. Yeah. Well, even though there's probably no... probably like the first brand of um, HTC phones and, and Telstra branded phones, Android phones that we got here a couple of years ago. Hmm. They're probably going yeah, to like the four-inch screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of my mates has got one of uh, a little cheapo little 
a little phone, you know, and it's, it's about, I don't know, oh, it's, yeah, it's a little, four, must be a four-inch screen. It's so tiny. I don't know what the hell he does with it. Oh, you can't see nothing. You can't do nothing with it. It works all right. runs out of memory every time you want to call someone. But, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's it. You can buy $40 phones from Woolies, and they're fine if you want to make phone calls and send texts. If, I mean, they're useless if you want to do anything else. But for 40 bucks, you keep it six months, you break it, it doesn't matter. It. Yeah, well, that's right, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Jace. what else have you got for us? You got anything else for us? Yeah, well, Apple's had a bit of problems recently and not uh, any good news that they usually like to have. Apple's issued fixes for security flaw in its Macintosh computers that allows hackers to intercept data such as emails. They're patching a major glitch that came into light several days ago. A security update for users of Apple's OSX computer operating system follows a fix issued for iPhones last week, meaning all Apple device users now have to have access to the patch. By default, security updates should install automatically on OSX. Users can manually check for the update by clicking on software update from the Apple menu in the top left corner of the screen. The floor allowed attackers with access to users' networks, such as shared unsecured Wi-Fi, to see or alter exchanges between the user and protected sites such as Gmail or Facebook. Governments with access to telco or ISP data could do the same. On Tuesday, Apple said in a statement that the Mac security update also improved its features such as FaceTime video conferencing service and email. Well, I'm happy that they fixed that because last Tuesday, uh, last episode of the Aussie Mac Zone, uh, Michael was talking about this and he was warning us uh, not to use Safari until you apply this patch. So his warning was pretty yeah, basically, stark. And... And you know how you have uh, SSL secure certificates on websites. It was skipping actually testing if the certificate was valid one. Yeah, okay, yeah. So so it looks like the uh, the Apple's pushed through the security updates. So uh, if you've got OSX or you've got your iPad, just go and uh, update, please. Yeah. So get yeah, I'm about sorry. I, I, I said, uh, did you say Apple? I thought you were talking about Android. I didn't realize Apple ever had security flaws. I thought they oh, were perfect. Yeah, they got them out the they never had any problems week. at all. That, that story must be false, surely. Well, <laughs> that... you can also t- test your computer if you go to a website called gotofail.com. And it'll tell you there if your computer's patched or not, which right. is very helpful. But uh, there was another one just to keep Will on the Schadenfreude <laughs> going there. Uh, another flaw was found a couple of days ago uh, that will let uh, other applications monitor what keyboard, what uh, buttons and stuff you press in applications and could uh, read uh, text that you're typing into different applications uh, through a security floor and also store that information and send it to other people. Mm, so nasty. I guess there'll be another patch coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry, Will. If there's a if there's an Apple patch, you you, you can bet your bottom dollar there'll be 10, to, 10, <laughs> 10 for Android. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's right. There'll be 10 Apple ones for every Android one. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I think I think we had a story again on the Aussie Mac Zone last week where it was just that, you know, everyone makes a big hullabaloo about, you know, patches for Apple and, oh, my goodness, they, they really have problems and all this sort of stuff. And yet the same thing happened, like 10 patches just roll out out through the week for the Android, and no one batters an eyelid. Just, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We're used no, to well, not that many, but... going on with on Tuesday. Nobody, um, <laughs> nobody says anything about the 4 million patches that Windows releases every week. Oh, are we talking about <laughs> Windows now? Oh, no, I mean, we mentioned them, but I mean, like, it's just become that accepted now. How about now that, that Linux? Sort of... Isn't that a piece of rubbish? I mean, how many flaws have they got in? <laughs> oh, yeah. What, and... No, but what I mean is, it just sort of... It sort of just gets to the point where it's it, like, do you bother 
know, like it's so commonplace now to just expect updates to fix bugs. Do you even mm. worry about the bug in the first place? Yes. Well, you know, look, like, look, I've got I've got a Vista machine just over on the bench there, updating from a fresh install. <laughs> Been... Is, it, is that going to be a server to run your Windows 8 machine off, is it? No, no, no. It's just someone's little <laughs> Vista machine. It's been, it's been updating for oh, six hours now. <laughs> it's just going hard. That's right. It'll be, it'll be just as slow by the time you finish as it was before you started. I oh, know, isn't it? I'll, I'll be the first to admit Vista is a bit of a hog. But if you've got the uh, architecture to support it, there's nothing wrong with it, really. And just quickly, just to finish off with my stuff for Microsoft and phones and all this sort of stuff, uh, Microsoft reveals details on the Windows Phone 8.1. So this is the next version of the phone, which will add support for lower-end hardware. So obviously Microsoft's looking to target those low, uh, the uh, emerging markets out there. The next version of the Windows Phone, widely referred to as Windows Phone 8.1, though Microsoft hasn't confirmed the name. Oh, why not? Might as well run with what everyone knows and uh, until you get sued. Now, that's a change from the Windows Phone 7, where handsets could be, could be updated to Windows 7.5, but not to Windows Phone 8. The next three versions of Windows Phone will also support dual SIM cards and soft keys. So that'll be a, a something new. Well, not new. I know there's phones out there already with dual SIM cards, but from a major player, say, that's all right. No longer requiring the, the uh, physical pushing of buttons. Oh, oh, that's uh, that's good news. That's, that button push was always hard. and wore my fingers out. Now, one nice benefit of these additions is that many hardware vendors will be able to use the same hardware for both Android and Windows Phone devices. So there you go. Microsoft didn't reveal exactly when this update would arrive, but it said it would be the spring in the US. So when is the spring in the US? That'd be soon. Next month. There you go. Is that right? Yeah. A spring US. Yeah. Next, like next yeah. month. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. All right. Uh, who hasn't a story like recently? Will, what are you doing? Just, just a quick one. HTC thought that'd be really clever. Buyer's remorse coming soon to S5 owners, meaning that HTC are going to release their new phone, which, you know, seems innocent enough. They're having a bit of fun. Yeah, cool. That's not a problem. The only problem is <clears throat> that was sent on March 25th. Um, the actual S5, as we talked about earlier, isn't due to come out until later in the following month. So, um, yeah, well done. Um, Awkward. It's actually coming out after... The HTC phone, so you kind of missed the boat a bit on that one there, fellas. <laughs> All right, stop but, it. Uh, they, they've Sorry. done it a few times. They did it uh, last year. Nokia did the same thing to Apple when announced, Apple announced the iPhone 5C, um, but it paid off when Nokia's thanks Apple tweet um, amassed 40,000 retweets and was lauded as one of the most successful marketing tweets of all time. So, um, given that the S5 doesn't go on sale till April 11th, HTC, hmm. um, close, almost, just <laughs> missed it. Almost. By that much. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's stop him there and we'll go again for another 10. And uh, so, who, who's got stories left? Jace, you got stories left? Yeah. And Shane? Yeah, I got a couple. Okay. Yeah, I got two. All right. Well, let's start off with do you want to start? Oh, Fitbit. Jace is into Fitbit. Oh, no. Is that Shane's? That's Shane's. Yeah, but Jason can do it if Shane's you want. story. You want to? I'll chip in. I'll uh, chime in on it, but um, all right. Yeah, well, yeah okay. well, I'll run with it, and you can fill in the stuff that I probably stuff up. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, let's go back. That's we'll, how to have faith. We'll do the. We'll do the <laughs> I'm gonna screw it up anyway, but you know. We'll do the Fitbit. <laughs> I'm just gonna come back. I'm gonna do some crap about the radio and shit. The tech radio. Hang on. All right. So. 
Don't forget about the AussieTechRadio.com 24-7 shoutcast episodes of uh, other podcasts out there, including TechWebcast.info, the two guys, two blokes talking tech, Geeksphere.tv. There's heaps of them there, AussieTechRadio.com. Go to the webpage. If you want to know how to set your phone up, all the instructions are there, so hit that one up. And also the paper comes out twice a day. Got a lot of stories in it, not just tech, just business, sport, whatever. Whatever took the little robot's fancy at the time of printing. And that is at the AussieTechHeads.com.au forward slash Pepper. Uh, what else? Don't forget the Facebook is uh, AussieTechHeads.com. Uh, is at Facebook.com forward slash AussieTechHeads. And also YouTube.com forward slash AussieTechHeads. Also on Facebook, iOS and Android apps, free apps of the day. So normally you got to pay for them, but uh, Jason and I put up uh, Android and iOS apps respectively that normally you have to pay for. Then they're free on that day if you go and get them that day. So look out for them. If you like one, go and grab it. All right, Shane, what uh, what is next from you, please? Uh, I'm just going to cover the story about Fitbit and how they uh, are doing a recall on their latest and greatest Fitbit device. Uh, it's been covered by numerous other podcasts because uh, the story is a, a, a few days old now. And I even think you guys covered it on um, the Aussie Mac Zone. But Fitbit announced today, which was a few days ago, that it will recall the new Force model. Users are complaining that uh, they're getting rashes and burns while wearing it. Fitbit CEO James Park says that the recall is motivated by an abundance um, of caution. Uh, it goes on to say that um, somewhere in here, it said that it may have actually been due to the battery. Uh, I can't find the bit in the story that actually says that now. Yeah, look. but yeah, they were actually, um, yeah, they were saying that it might have had something to do with the actual battery. Not everyone's getting it. Obviously, some people are more sensitive to that sort of mm. thing than others. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about the battery. I had a watch, uh, once. I think it was a Rip Curl watch. I think it was, and yeah, the the, the back of the the watch started like to pit, you know, and uh, and. Yeah, and it sort of then it started to irritate my hand, my wrist, and it was just put down to, I suppose, just a you know the sweat and the and the salt water and all that just had a reaction to that metal. Maybe it wasn't sealed properly or whatever. But anyway, I just got another one and problem went away. So uh, so that was fine. There was no dramas there. But yeah, I don't know this this Fitbit as it looks doesn't seem like it's too complicated. But Jace, you got a Fitbit? Is that you got one that looks like that? Is that what they That's look like? My little one there. Oh, nice. Oh, hang on. you got to, you got to speak so we can see it. That's my little one there. You can see uh, how many <laughs> well, steps I've done today. <laughs> how many flights of stairs I've gone up. Right. How does it know you? How does it know you're going upstairs? And look, there's my flower growing. The bigger the flower yes, goes, the more exercise you do. <laughs> oh, right. How big have you got um, it up to? It's got an altimeter built into it, so it can tell after you go up so many meters, they count that as a flight of stairs. So even if you're just walking up a hill, people think that it might they're not actually going upstairs, but they're going up, up. and that's what is the, the point of it, is that you're getting exercise because it's harder going upstairs. But, um, yeah, there was a, a few people, I think it's like 12% of people or something with the uh, Fitbit Force, which is the new one that was just launched uh, this year. And um, there's a, a bit of a metal backing that apparently some uh, wrists getting a bit uh, of an agitation uh, reaction to. So they said they'll recall it and they'll send you out a refund to get it replaced if you've had a problem. There are a lot of people who don't have a problem. Um, the old Fitbits all still work with no problem. The Flex 
is the one that the force is replacing. It's just got more options on it. So people with the flex never had a problem like this. So they're not exactly sure what it is, but they're doing some research to find out exactly what's happened with this one. Right. So tell me with this Fitbit, it's it's on all the time, is it? So it's just tracking all the time. You put in yeah, your pocket. Yeah, you uh, clip it onto your uh, shirt top or onto a pocket on your pants. And while you're walking along the movement, it's got uh, calculations based on the XYZ axis inside there that's measuring the movement of it. And uh, when you when you start it the first time and you register, you just put in how tall you are, uh, man or woman, how much you weigh and that sort of thing. And it calculates how much movement would count as a stride right. when you're walking. And then they count that and um, based on, you know, so many strides equals so many kilometers. So then they can calculate how many, approximately how many kilometers you've walked. Mm. It's usually pretty uh, accurate. And then you can, uh, you it uploads that to their website automatically through either your phone or your computer. And you can compare it to your friends to see who's done the most steps this week and who's done the most vigorous exercise. Yeah, okay. And um, it also measures sleep patterns. So if you hold down the um, button on the front of it here, it'll... Uh, for a couple of seconds, it'll switch into a timer mode and it'll time your sleep. And then in the morning when you wake up, you just hold down the button again for another couple of seconds. It'll switch that off. And then it, while you're asleep, it's measuring your tossing and turning and it'll tell you what kind of sleep you had and if you're awake at certain times or a bit restless so you can tell what sleep quality you get. Now, great. now were you, uh, were you uh, programming a little pebble to read this watch? Was that what you were doing? That's uh, a, to... No, I haven't programmed the pebble for anything, but... Uh, the um, Pebble can do a similar sort of thing. There's an app called Let's Move, L-E-T-S-M-U-V, and a couple of others that can do the same sort of thing as the Fitbit. They'll measure your stride based on your arm moving back and forward. Right. And uh, it can also, they also monitor your sleep patterns as well, so you can get all of that for the oh, uh, yeah. Pebble. Well, because what I was going to, where I was sort of wondering with my thoughts then was uh, whether or not they've like released like an API or something so you can get in and, and but I'm, but then I'm thinking, well, no, they wouldn't because I was think what I was thinking of was like what you know that Runtastic app. So if you got the Runtastic, wouldn't it be good if you just put the Fitbit in your pocket and you didn't have to like open your your Runtastic app all the time and swipe and yes and no and and start. Oh, Run Runtastic and um, Runkeeper and all of those do integrate uh, oh, natively right. with the Pebble Watch. So right. if you put the Pebble Watch on and you start up your Runtastic or Runkeeper application, it'll change the screen on there. It'll tell you how many kilometers you've walked, how fast you're moving, and all of that sort of thing as well, which is right. quite cool. Yeah. So uh, how much are these little Fitbit? How much was yours? Your little but couple of um, I think mine said. was about a hundred and ten on discount at hardly normal. Yeah. Usually right. about hundred and twenty five or something like that. But you get a smaller, cheaper one that has less stuff. It doesn't have the uh, L C D screen or you can get the flex which actually you wear around your wrist but uh, i've already got a pebble watch so i don't want two bulky things on my wrist so mm. i went with a little one that just clips onto my pants so i just clip it on every morning so you know how in the when mobile phones first started coming out people used to have two phones you know just to be real cool and stuff like that so the, the fashion these days is you don't have like two watches on you're not we're not doing that yet no <laughs> <laughs> well you got two arms i suppose good no the, fa the fashions to, the fashions to have a phone in your pocket, a um, Google glasses in your eye, and then a, a Pebble or a Google uh, or an Android watch on your wrist. <laughs> well, um, Samsung uh, at Mobile World Conference this week announced three new smartwatches uh, based on the design of their Galaxy Gear. They're not using Galaxy in the name anymore. It's just called the Gear. So you've got the Galaxy, uh, the uh, Samsung Gear Two. 
and the fit and there was another one and the fit is basically a similar sort of thing to the um the fitbit flex and the nike fuel band kind of thing it's got a touch screen a little lcd touch screen that's colorful and you can swipe your finger across it to change screens and that sort of thing so they're getting right into it as well oh yeah good stuff all right now uh just just quickly is the first ever australian or aussie to win the ibm global marketing award ibm has named computer merchants as the winner of its 2014 Computer uh, 2014 Choice Award for Marketing Excellence Asia-Pacific. Computer Merchants is the first Australian company to win this award, which is given annually to the IBM Business Partner in recognition of outstanding incentive and inventive marketing campaigns. So good on you, IBM, and good on you more so. Uh, who are they? Computer Merchants. The Queensland-based IT firm won the gong for a multi-platform promotion of IBM's Pure Flex systems. Never heard of them. It teamed with Raw Marketing Consulting, never heard of them, to launch the series of innovative campaigns. So even though I haven't heard of them, good on yous, because you're Australian. <laughs> hey, mate. Good on yous. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. We'll stop there. <laughs> Bloody oath. Blood oath. Oh, the things you have to do when you're stretching for time. Okay. <laughs> i got one more... Um, Something I'll hang on. We haven't started yet. Yeah. So. Oh no, yeah. No, okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So Shane, how are you going? Yeah, Ford. got one more. Ford and Warlock's got got one. Got one. Well, we've all got one. Let's all put our one in and have four. And I think I've got. <laughs> Maths is hard. It is hard. <laughs> all right. Well, I might just do my two quick ones, and then we just because I don't think mine will take too much. Hmm. We'll see. I don't think so. I don't think there'll be too many comments. Maybe they will. Who knows? All right. <laughs> Let's just find out, eh? <laughs> Let's just find out. Sounds good, whatever it was. Oh, I remember Top Gun, the old movie from the 80s. Yeah, Top old, uh, who was it? What's his name? Tom Cruise? Yeah. Well, some guy is so in love with that movie. Can you believe this? I don't know. Have you guys heard of this story? But some guy is so in love with this movie that he used his Twitter account to post the Top Gun movie frame by frame through Twitter. <laughs> However, subtitles. it didn't go too well for him, did it? <laughs> no, he didn't get too far. He'd been going for a couple of months, I think, probably did the first five minutes, and the uh, he was told to pull it down because that it breached the copyright. Unfortunately Spoil for him, sports. I know. So he's been suspended following complaint from the film studio. Uh, yeah, so the the uh, article goes, and it has as this article explains it, the user had been posting updates, which included captions for more than a month, but still had the majority of the film to cover. So it is quite unusual case, and this was some uh, copyright lawyer or something, just to, you know shooting the breeze. Yeah, see opinion. the problem. They were worried that uh, nobody was going to pay for the movie anymore. They're just going to watch it one frame at a time on his Twitter. What? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know. Oh, like they must have thought it was like one of those books. They're going to collect all the f photos and then just spin <laughs> through the book, you know. And there you go. Scroll, scroll, scroll with your mouse. <laughs> look, look, they're flying. They're flying. Oh, watch out, goose. That's right. Yeah. Or what they could have done was got a strobe light and then had like all the all the pictures lined up in tabs across your Internet Explorer and then they got the strobe light and they just went... Now what you need to do is print them all off in a big giant A2 and put them around the inside of a racetrack and then have a car with the camera <laughs> mounted on it 
and drive around the racetrack and sync it perfectly to the sign. Oh, wait, go. I think they did oh, that already. I'll tell you, look, <laughs> the, 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 the um, wasted opportunism here is gone now. For the for the sake of the film studios, look. Think about all that. Maybe they should have a look at Tumblr if they think they got a problem with this one guy's Twitter account, because Tumblr is all just movies, scenes with the captions on them. Mm. But isn't yeah. it crazy? It was uploading. Yeah, it was uploading a single scene every twenty minutes. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> then now. Moving on just quickly to a follow-up of a story uh, a couple of weeks ago. Remember, someone had stole a Twitter handle, at N. At N. Mm -hmm. So Naoki Hiroshima, who held the Twitter handle since 2007, claimed last month that the hacker stole it. I think that's right. They were socially engineered or did a few things, and the hacker finally got it. But anyway... Uh, he said that at the time someone took control of his other online accounts and threatened to compromise data and websites owned by him, forcing him to give up the handle. But on Wednesday, Mr. Hiroshima tweeted, order has been restored. He's got his mm back. So good on you, Naoki Hiroshima. You've done well there, my son. Okay, let's, uh, Warlock, what, what if, what's, you, what's coming up next for you? Well, something interesting for Australia. Australian researchers explore self-driving share car. One day in the not-too-distant future, self-driving share cars will be ferrying commuters around our streets if Australian researchers succeed in their quest to better understand our driving quirks. Separate to efforts by Google, Toyota and Audi to create self-driving vehicles, researchers at the University of New South Wales are working with Australian car-sharing company GoGet to develop an advanced autonomous driving algorithm that could see a new breed of self-driving cars land on Australian shores within 10 years. Their experimental car has four radar sensors, a video camera, and a small onboard computer. It can't drive itself just yet, but it's the first step in achieving autonomous driving. The car will gather data the researchers say will make cars more efficient and less prone to accidents, ultimately saving lives. We've put sensors all around the vehicle and mounted a video camera to detect pedestrians, bicycles, other cars and road stride infrastructure, said the Deputy Director of University of New South Wales Research Centre for Integrated Transport Innovation, Vinia Dixit. What's happened We're to... Getting yeah, sorry, go, keep going. Sorry. We're getting information about how people drive and how they interact with different moving entities as well as other infrastructure. Go get founder Nick Lowe, who is supplying the car for the study, said self-driving cars could be the future of car sharing and the future of all urban transport. It sounds like there's a there's a word missing from the name of the company title. Go get something. something. <laughs> yes. Why don't you go and get a car? Go and get something transported uh, yes transported. now now what happened to the google car is that happening or what there wasn't yeah, there? still going yeah still plodding yeah, they're still fighting laws over in the u.s that say that you have to be there and in charge um, of california has actually changed that law now that to to help them out so they can actually start doing some proper testing in california now oh, and they're also going through the courts fighting the different um different counties and such because they uh won't let you have the um uh, anything that's going to distract you, like the Google Glass or uh, any HUD for the car. Oh, you, you can imagine you if you drive, drive it. <laughs> yeah, you've got a self-driving car and you're just getting updates on your Google Glass while you're <laughs> reading something or watching a movie. It'd be great. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, all right, uh, Shane, did you have something else uh, for us, please? Yeah, I do. Off. I have a story about Ford and uh, BlackBerry. Oh, yes. All right, so the I saw this story actually on a, an Australian website 
uh, like a few days ago. And then when I went kind of back to add all my stories to the to the show notes, I couldn't find it again. So I've picked the version from the register. But basically, it's um, border dumping Microsoft for the um, in-car service and going to BlackBerry. Since 2010, Ford first introduced their um, MyFord Touch or MyFord Sync in uh, in their cars. And the latest version of it in 2012-2013 um, has basically been bagged and they even got sued. Uh, Automatica is um, becoming a target of a class action lawsuit uh, filed in California by the Non-for-Profit Center for Defense Driving. Uh, alleging that many vehicle owners complain that, um, among other things, the system freezes, stops working, the screen blacks out, and so on and so forth. So they're making the switch to BlackBerry. Mm. And I didn't realize this. I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be a, a new thing for BlackBerry to kind of get into. And, you know, it might be the, the lifeline that BlackBerry are Indeed. looking for. Yes. But after reading the story, it goes on to say that the BlackBerry QNX technology that they're talking about using has actually been around since the 80s, I believe it says, right. and is already available in cars such as BMWs, Audis, uh, GM, I think, use it. Uh, <laughs> so it's already been used in the high-end cars as it is. So um, Ford are actually, where well, I thought Ford were the first people to jump across, they're the last people to use it. Yeah, BMW, Chrysler, Daewoo, GM, Hyundai, Land Rover, Porsche. Mm. They all currently use the BlackBerry software anyway. Yeah, right. All right. Well, that's good. Well, who cares about Ford and Holden now and Toyota? They're all gone. They've all left us, so who cares? We've got to find something else, eh? That driverless car. Let's exactly. go. Let's let's cross to John Belushi live in the studio. What's going on, John? <laughs> you may wonder why I'm wearing sunnies inside in a dark room and I, they're polarised, so I have to do this to read my monitors. Um, well, that's because I just want to quickly talk about cameras. Now, these are actually... Um, spy glasses and they're not really in, you know, not really that well hidden but they're, they're, they're not bad little camera um i just wanted to quickly mention you know cameras have changed like this is one of the last tape cameras where you have to actually use a tape and put a yeah. set in there and you know and then of course we went on to a very similar size camera but you know you only had to worry about an sd card rather than than an mm. actual uh you know tape so it was easier to work with um oh. and then of course you had these little um keychain spy cameras and things like that so oh, our technology is in case you're wondering i don't know if it's just going to come out on camera but the oh. actual camera um is right at the very front there that little tiny sensor right at the front that's the camera yeah nice um so you know technology's come a long way and things tend to um you know progress and now of course we've got in-car cameras yeah um that not only not only take a, a a video or a uh, things like that, but they also have GPS coordinates, they have speed tracking, they have automatic collision detection, so you see how oh. that camera just dropped into high range there when the truck hit the bridge. Yes. Were you that taking actually this? happened down the road from me. Oh, you weren't taking this photo? <laughs> this this is not my webcam, this is a friend of mine, so it is the same oh. webcam as mine. I want to quickly talk about this, or not webcam, traffic cam. Yeah. I actually want to talk about this, and I couldn't find anything decent in my footage, and he was kind enough to lend me this. But, um, this, you know, you can see, if you're watching the video, you can see down the bottom right there, it's got the GPS coordinates, it's got the time, it's got the date, it's got the, it's even got the uh, f-stop of the, what the camera is actually taking, it's got his speed, um, you know, and. How did it know there the was GPS, a crash? 
it's just the camera just recognised something that's somewhere it shouldn't have been. It automatically switched to high res and and off it went from there. Um, but um, Who, you can see that... Who's at fault there, Will? Is it the driver well, should the have truck, known how high the car truck was? Driver doesn't know yeah, how the truck driver's completely at fault because the bridge is 3.2 uh, 2. and he was like 3.5. You need to know your load. It's part of the rules. Mm. So just, just, before you go, point, just, just before you go on, just to explain what's happening to those uh, listening, is that Will's just shown us a, uh, a video of, out of a car cam with a truck full laden with cars, double-decked cars on it, going under a low bridge, and one of the top cars has clipped and smashed into the uh, the bridge there. Turned a dual cab into a single cab. Yeah, so that's no good. That's no good. Sorry, Will. I just thought I, thought I had to explain because if you're not in the live watching us live, uh, you, you, we're not going to see what's going on. So hopefully you've got a mental so, picture now. Yeah, so next week, yeah. which is live. Yeah, we'll go to YouTube and watch a video there. Yeah. Um, but what I was getting at is like with with they have motion sensors in there. So if you if you have to hit the brakes or you have to swerve. Um, things like that, they automatically start recording. They save that particular three-minute section of video that it happened in. Um, you know, there's front and rear ones, there's inside ones, there's all sorts of the car cam stuff now. And it's something that um, I only found out the other day. I've actually got a, a, I put one in mine. I rang up my insurance agency and said, hey, I've got a, a mo car monitoring system that I can actually remotely monitor as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and what does like that do? I can log into it and, and monitor it from from wherever um and because it's got the gps tracking and remote 3g and all that sort of stuff my insurance actually just plummeted like it halved what the insurance so because Why? i can monitor you I've, I've got two i've got two different things installed i've got a, a normal car camera hmm. and i've got a 30 dollar ebay gps 3g tracker which just securely you can bolt it or silicon or whatever somewhere that it's got Mine's on my back window right near... It's obscured by my car fridge, so you can't see it, but it can still get a GPS lock. Car fridge. I've just got a $30 Audi 365-day um, expiry prepaid card in there uh, because it uses a 900-meg network, which is a nice low frequency, gets really good signal almost everywhere. I can remotely track the car. I can remotely wow. shut it down all with, the, all with you know the web browser. And, yeah, between those... Um, my insurance premium just dropped yeah, amazingly, right. like a huge amount. It dropped. Now, where do you get them from? <sighs> um, <laughs> I actually, believe it or not, actually got my camera from my local computer store, um, yeah. which was good because I got to play with it and, you know, touch it and lick it and eat it and all that stuff before I actually tried to install it. And then this one was gooey, so I got the one that wasn't. But um, it uh, it was good because it actually failed when that we had really hot day. We inside of the car must have hit seventy or eighty degrees at one point, and it actually got that hot. It actually melted the the hot glue that they used to hold the screen together. Wow. And I come back out the next morning, and it actually detached and dropped down and everything. So I got that under warranty because I bought it from the shop. But um, they start about twenty bucks for just a normal what they call a HD camera is actually yeah. upscaled four eighty. So anything more than four eighty on a cheap camera is pretty much a lie. Um, but they started about 20 bucks. They go up, you can get a decent one with geotagging um, or GPS does the synchronizing between the maps and the thing with two cameras. Pretty good ones, about 150 bucks. Yeah, nice. And um, if you want the separate GPS attachment, it's you know 40 or 50 dollars. Mm. And it's not only a smart investment, it catches out some pretty cool stuff sometimes. I've got some interesting clips on there that just sort of 
don't notice at the time you're driving until you go back and watch the footage. Yeah. Um, and in yeah. my case, we go four-wheel driving, so it's like having a cheap four-wheel drive camera mounted to it. But also, yeah, it reduces your insurance and yeah, it's right. peace of mind if your car gets stolen. Like, a mate mm. of mine's got stolen two weeks ago. They, were, they had just got home. They walked in the front door. They turned around and walked out to get something out of the car and the car was gone. Yeah, right. Ipswich? So, no, no. <laughs> No, yeah. Surprising, no, I won't get stolen. It's sitting out in the front. I'm my Commodore's <laughs> sits there day, night after night, completely unlocked. Come take me. No, nah, no mm. bastard, I'll take it. Geez, well, um, because I got, I got one of those little <laughs> cheap ones, Will, and uh, yeah, just motion to text, and it just right, re- writes, rewrites all the just you know, writes back over itself if you don't pull it yeah. off and stuff. One, one of those, pretty much, it just um. Suction caps to your windscreen. Yeah, nice. Just, I mean, they still have the shock sensors and stuff in them. So if it notices you hit the brakes, it saves that segment. You can yeah. have it on a three or a five or a ten-minute loop, and it'll save that particular bit, and it'll just keep riding until it fills the card up, and it goes back to the start, writes again. Mm. Yeah, nice. All right, good stuff. So, uh, all right, did you have anything else, Will? Have to be quick if you did. No. Cool. All right. <laughs> Let's wear out of time. Way, way right close to the bone. It's that close to the bone. I haven't got time to give email addresses, but you know where we are and you know our Twitter handles. If you don't, go to aussietechs.com.au forward slash podcast. It's all there. Thanks, Will, Shane, and Jace for coming on in. No worries, sir. And uh, Shane, Catch we. you all next week. Thank you. And Shane, we wish you all the best in your new employment and we hope to see you soon. Yes, no worries. Um, I've just flashed up on the screen the webpage for the um, company that I will be working for, FSA Technology. They're a small uh, IBM support company in Perth looking after small businesses ending up to, uh, to 100 seats. They do everything from uh, just managed services to selling hardware, uh, hardware repairs. Um, they monitor things remotely um, on-site on-site services, yeah. nice. all that sort of thing. So um, if anyone in the Perth area that owns a small business looking for some IT support, give them a call or, or send me an email. Sweet. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks, Shane, and good luck with that. Hope to hear from you soon, even if we do have to pre-record every now and then to um, to hear your your beautiful voice. All right. That's it for the show. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I hope you um, have had a good week and I hope you will continue to have a, uh, a good week until next you hear from us and until next we do another show. So until then, it's bye from all of us. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah.